I promise we're not sipping sip shine, but all the way from Tennessee, we are joined with Mitch Elsie, National Professional Fishing League Pro, here on the OneCast. That's a good one. That's a good one. Oh, God, it's a toad, son. It's a f***ing toad, dude. Let's go. I wake up to a little bit of drool on my pillow, feel like it's going to be a bad day. Welcome back to the OneCast, family, friends, and all the people out there that love talking about fishing. Ben, Pete, how are we doing tonight? Good, man. Doing good. Yeah. Doing well. Doing well? Upset we're having rain for the next two weeks, it seems like, and it prevents some of the fishing, but... Yeah. I know we need it, it though. We, we definitely did. need yeah, it. Yeah, we definitely need the rain, and, and uh, we're getting it here, so we'll, we'll find time to get out there. Yeah. Folks, we have an awesome episode uh, ahead right here, and uh, stay tuned to uh, check out our awesome guests that we have on. But first, head on to onecastfishing.com. Use the code the onecast to save 10% of your checkout. Check out those snagless jigs, those long neck hooks, those weedless net heads. Uh, we were swimming some uh, long neck hooks down in Florida. I just got back from, from Toho, the Kissimmee chain actually, fishing to help our heroes event down there. And uh, we weren't on a speed worm bite, but we were definitely on a frog bite it was awesome but head on over to those uh to the to the website get your hands on some of those great products and uh send us your fishing pictures like we're really curious to see what kind of giants you're catching i know ben's been see receiving a lot of good feedback um so head on over and check that out also uh pete go ahead and talk about what you want to talk about real quick yeah so we've talked about the last couple weeks so we're going to talk about it again here Uh, i'm going to have him on uh fishing fridays which are coming back so we're going to have uh have the organizer come on and, and talk with you all about it. But uh, For His Glory Outdoors is doing a Guardian Classic on Lake Murray. Uh, for those of you who don't know, that's in South Carolina. Uh, it is a $125 entry fee uh, for the boater. Uh, they're going to pair you up with a veteran uh, to fish with. Uh, it's it's random draw unless you have a direct family member. So your brother, son, something like that that serves. You guys want to fish it together. Uh, when you register, just make note of that, and they'll they'll make sure that you get paired together that way. Uh, but uh, taking place down there on September 9th, so it's actually they do it around September 11th uh, as a memorial deal. Uh, guaranteed thousand dollar first place, uh, veteran big fish five hundred dollars, and then a uh, captain or the boater big fish five hundred dollar guaranteed prize uh, on top of uh, you know whatever comes in from from entry fees so make sure you check that out if you search for his glory outdoors on uh, facebook they also have a website you can get all the information on there uh his phone number is on there to register all that i'm not i'm not going to try to read that out so you're trying to write it down but just check it out it'll also be linked in the description of the podcast so check that link out uh, and stay tuned for when we get them on to talk about it so you can hear uh hear the story about how it came to be and uh, how they're helping veterans uh, through fishing that's awesome ben you got any opening comments no, other than I'm excited to get Mitch on here. Yep. I, I know we're going to have him talk about it, but I was reading his bio from Florida to up in Michigan, now Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um, breadth of fishing experience. And I like this because, you know, sometimes we're, we stay a lot of local to North Carolina. We talk a lot of North Carolina fishing. Um, now we can, we can, you know, we got some anglers on here that we can branch off and talk all across the country. So hopefully everyone out there. Uh, can can now get something for their little piece of the country or wherever they're fishing at. So absolutely, that's the uh, that's the journey this podcast has taken us on, and we couldn't do it without everyone's support. So head on over to all of our media platforms, leave a comment, give us a good review, share with your friends, and uh, without further ado, let's bring on Mitch, man. Yeah, absolutely. 
Bring on Mitch. Hey, what's up, guys? What's going on, Mitch Elsie, all the way from Tennessee? You're speaking with us in North Carolina, man. Appreciate you jumping on our show. Yeah, man. I appreciate you guys letting me get on. Yeah. So, Mitch, we talked a little bit about you before we brought you on. Uh, ben talked about your breadth of experience from fishing in the north all the way to fishing in the south. So, uh, for everyone's sake, why don't you just go ahead and break it down and introduce yourself and let us know where you came from. Yeah, I'm Mitch Elsie. So, like, I grew up fishing. Fishing runs deep in my veins. Uh, Trey, I believe you're from Kalamazoo. Uh, my grandpa actually blew, grew up fishing with, or not grew up, but Kevin uh, at Van Dam actually started fishing with my grandpa, and they're really good family friends of ours. And when uh, <clears throat> when I was about nine, we moved to Florida. I uh, grew up fishing down there. I learned how to throw Senko. Basically, that's all I threw down there. Growing <laughs> up, Senko and a, and a speed worm. That's all you needed cover a lot of water and when you get bit you stop and pick it apart and man i did that for a long time throwing swim bait i started throwing little swim baits uh probably about i don't know it's probably been about 20 years ago when i got down there and uh <clears throat> got back up here and i don't know i was getting ready to graduate and i was like you know i want something different i want to go back let's go back home so i decided i was going to go move back to michigan my parents and uh, my brother all decided they were going to go with us and we went back up and Dude, I got up back up north and I fell in love with smallmouth. I mean, I got, I ended up getting, so I got, my first boat was a little Javelin 353. Um, I went up to Charlevoix a few times and man, just, I just fell in love watching them and catching big, just giant smallmouth. And I ended up buying a Triton TR20 right after that and got into fishing uh, Lake St. Clair and my <laughs> Traverse Bay. That's, that's the best like all time like everyone talks about uh saint Clair and everything but man i tell you traverse traverse is probably the best smallmouth fishery i would say in the state of michigan hmm. um there's just it's just stacked full of giants like this time of year like i think two weeks ago there was a tournament that took 28 pounds to win and 50th place was 20 pounds oh. i mean it's just absolutely nothing that is and ridiculous we went up we went up i took uh I took Jake up there two weeks ago to fish a tournament with me, um, and we ended up in second place with, like, 20 pounds. I had two six-pounders that I had on beds that left. Um, really, we just couldn't get any more in. We, but, yeah, that's pretty much, like, how I've gotten, like, I guess where I am today. I, I started it up there, and then I decided I really wanted to pursue this. I started winning a bunch of tournaments up there, and I didn't really want to lock myself into one area and, like, get good at one thing and one thing only. I, I know in order to compete at this level, you have to be very diverse. And this river fish and stuff really, like, I, it confused me. Mm -hmm. um, how the fish set up here in TVA. So, luckily, I work for the power company. So, I got a job as a contractor down here for TVA. Came down, and me and my wife moved down. And, man, I spent all of last year just studying lakes, getting my I, – I, I'm not going to lie. I got my teeth kicked in almost every tournament last year. I cashed, like – one check i think the bfls i caught one limit and all man but and then i took the whole off season just to learn the whole lakes and now i feel pretty confident like i can go to chick and chick's got some of the biggest smallmouth in it too um mm -hmm. everyone goes there for largemouth but man I, I i remember when i first moved down here i went there and found a found a school of smallmouth and i had in forecast i had i had almost 18 pounds i want to say mm. it was like it was just nuts. Like it was four casts in a row. I, and I put my rods down. I called my dad and I'm like, I'm going to win. And he's like, what do you mean? And I was like, I'm going to win this tournament on smallmouth. And then 
we got in the meeting the day before and they're like, uh, just so you guys know, there's a one small mouth rule on chick. And I was like, Oh no. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I was like, so I'm sitting there debating. I caught one large mouth all practice and I'm like, man, do I run all the way to the other dam? And hopefully that, that eight pounder I caught on a bed still there. Do I go up and catch? I, I can guarantee myself a four and a half, five pound smallmouth, And then, try to spend the rest of the day fishing for spots. And so I went up there through a drop shot, uh, caught a four and a half pounder. My co-angler got up there. He hooked into a giant. I don't even know how big this fish was. He was like, it's a rock. And I'm like, dude, it ain't a rock. Your rod's bouncing. I was like, it's, I said, it's a big fish. Hook, let, let alone, I mean, the hook popped out. We were in 30 foot of water and the hook came out of the water. And he goes, oh, I guess it was just a rock. <laughs> or I guess it was a yeah, just call it a rock. <laughs> so, at that point. Yeah, you know, but yeah, no. So, yeah, and that's pretty much how I got to where I am. Started doing social media about the same time. And really, that's where all my deals come from. Like, uh, all my sponsorships primarily are social media based. They're not tournament based. I, I love doing social media. I love pushing products. Um, but I also get that itch for tournament fishing. Like, I can't oh, yeah. shake it. You, um, so, Mitch, you said something that, that caught my attention. So, you move. I know you, you're the power company and, and, and um but you moved specifically to Tennessee just to really for to get a better experience in different parts of the country for fishing. Yeah. At the time it was for a mixture of both. So I got a really good job offer and I knew I was getting to the point where this is something that I really knew that I had a chance in, um, where I was like, okay, like if I'm going to do this and do it seriously, like I need to learn the TVA lakes. Like I heard how much of how hard they were to fish. And I was like, ah, it shouldn't be that bad. Like, I, I moved to Florida, got a hang of that pretty quick, moved it back to Michigan, went out there, started catching 20, 15, 20-pound 20 bags everywhere I went. And I'm like, yeah, it can't be that hard. I get down here, man. I can't even catch a fish. <laughs> yep. And I was like, it's a grinder every day, man. I went to, like, me and Cherokee don't get along. Like, Cherokee's a big smallmouth fishery. I do not get along with Cherokee. Nah, Cherokee's uh, a hard hole. What, what, anybody tricky? What have, you, <laughs> what have you found that's been the um, – the biggest difference, especially chasing smallmouth in the Tennessee uh, River Valley lakes, what's the biggest difference, you know, that transition from, from catching those massive bags up north to now trying to do it down, you know, mid the, part of the country? It's not really the way they set up, just how fast they move. Like, they move a lot up north, but I feel like they move a lot more here. Um, the bait they eat is bigger. Uh, they want more, They want more uh, like, fast-moving baits, power baits. They don't want to, like, in the summer times. The wintertime, you can throw just about anything at them, and they're going to eat it. Drop shot with a small A-rigs, small crankbaits. I'm big. I got big on Demikian when I moved down here. Um, but I feel like the bit, that's probably the biggest thing is they just move a lot more in the current. The way they set up in the current's different. I'm used to fishing just still water, like yeah. lakes. And there's not a whole lot of current in the Great Lakes unless the wind's blowing. Um, and fishing here actually made me a big, better fisherman up north on like uh i'll say on like the st Clair river the detroit river um stuff like that because i finally understand how the current like how they set up in current um and all that other stuff like the eddies uh like the bluff walls so basically like up north we don't have bluff walls we have sea walls mm -hmm. so basically i started fishing bluff or sea walls the same way i fished the bluff walls here next thing i know i'm getting smoked like i'm mm -hmm. i'm catching going out and catching five pounders like nothing up there Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's when they get set up in the rivers, I mean, it's, it's crazy how much, how much, how many fish sit on them seawalls. Like there's day I'll have hundred fish days out there easily just fishing one stretch of seawall. 
So being from Kalamazoo myself, I, I always say this and let me know your opinion on this, but I feel like it's easy to catch fish in the North and harder yeah. to catch fish in the South. Would you agree to that or no? Yeah. A hundred percent. You can go up North man and catch. I mean, everyone talks about like, you're only going to catch limits up there 14 inches, but there's days where like I've sat in one spot, like you're from Kalamazoo, upper crooked. Mm-hmm. I, I grew up on upper crooked. We used to have a house there. Um, I fished a lot of tournaments, won a lot of money on that lake. And we, uh, there's spots out there where I can literally sit, like I've sat in spots for two and a half hours before and caught it. Me and my cousin both on the, on the boat fishing a tournament, catching them every cast. Yeah. I mean, there, it's just absolutely crazy. Like you can go up there any lake, just literally grab a Senko and go catch 20 fish a day yeah. easily. Yeah. yeah. I grew up in Pennsylvania, so fishing the Great Lakes and, and you know, when I moved to North Carolina, I got my teeth, I still get my teeth kicked in a lot. There's a huge <laughs> learning curve down here, but yeah. like, when you talk to guys from here and you talk about fishing the North and it's like, yeah, I, I, you know, here's some pictures from March and you're showing them smallmouth, And they're like, those are all the same fish. I'm like, no, we pulled up yeah. on that spawning flat and the male, the three pound males were staging on it. And I caught a hundred fish that day mm-hmm. uh, yep. and never moved the boat, put it on spot lock, never changed my bait and caught a hundred fish. Well, that don't happen. I'm like, no, it absolutely happens. Like you have no <laughs> idea how much different it is. And, uh, when Trey and I met, we started talking about the North and it's like, man, anybody can go up there and catch fish we have we have the covers you you can learn how to fish you know weed beds and things like that come to north carolina and catch a fish and do well where we don't have all of that stuff uh and and uh I, that's why i think you see a lot of pro anglers not that we don't see them from the north but a lot of the guys grow up like in the tennessee river area you know fishing the chicken that stuff because they are such diverse and tough fisheries that uh that it makes you a, a more well-rounded angler. So I think like you having that opportunity for your fishing career, along with having a good job was that's like a godsend because I know I fished Cherokee once and I'm with you. Like I, I'm not that lake can, they can fill it in for all I care. <laughs> I, yeah. I was like, man, I'm going to go out there and catch smallmouth. Like I got this. Nope. <laughs> yeah. yeah. dude, I was so pumped when I came down, I was like, I'm going to go whack him on Cherokee. I'm studying Demiki and I'm like, I'm like, I want to go catch him. Dude, I went out there and all I caught was green fish. And I'm like, this is dumb. <laughs> yep. Like I'm throwing a jerk, I'm throwing jerk baits over rocks. I'm throwing freaking Demikis. I'm throwing swim baits. I'm throwing drop shots. Can't get bit. And I'm like, I don't know what else I can do. So I went up shallow and started fishing, <laughs> fishing for green fish. I'm like, I don't know what to do at this point. It's, it's a weird so, like, it's, it's it's weird own ecosystem in the way it fishes. Uh, the the yeah. whole tennessee river valley and that's why you see a lot of people struggle on it even when you get to the elite levels and stuff just because it is so so much different so i think for you like that's going to help you no doubt you've already said it has but no matter where you fish in the country the experiences you get there because you really can go do anything we've talked about like being able to go fish ledges uh being able to fish shallow being able to fish grass you can go drop shot smallies in 30 feet like it's all there Mm -hmm. so it's it's really like a a great training ground if you will for fishing yeah yeah it really is man it, it's unbelievable here like you can like i know when i first moved down here like i had a buddy who was asking me he's like what do you look for when you're looking for smallmouth up there i'm like rock rock and grass i said if you find rock or grass i said you're gonna catch fish and we're, this is when we're talking about cherokee and i'm like where's so just tell me where the grass is and i said well we'll find rock around there. And he's like, there is no grass. And I'm like, what do you mean? I, had, I never fished, so there was never any grass before. I'm like, what do you mean there's no grass? He's like, there's yeah. absolutely no grass. And I was like, huh. But yeah, it's, uh, 
it's definitely cool because you can go do it. Like you said, you can go fish anything. You can go fish pads on Gunnersville, go fish grass on Gunnersville mm-hmm. and chick. You can go fish the ledges anywhere here. Chick, uh, Watts bar has really good ledges, mm-hmm. Douglas, or you can go fish shallow if you want. You can do it however mm-hmm. you want. And, and it, all you can, there's so many different opportunities here. It's interesting as we're having this, this, this discussion that, just changing the cover and the types of lakes drastically can change how the fish behave. And and something you, I, I know, Mitch, you talked about the baits bigger, but something that they don't have in Tennessee River Valley, at least I don't, I'm, I'm not aware of, or even like uh, in the Midwest. So like White River system that's got smallmouth and largemouth, they don't have the gobies either. Mm-hmm. So they're all relying on shad or, or perch or bluegill or what, you know, crappie to eat, right? And so those bait fish will obviously operate a little bit differently yeah. than the goby so that's going to help that's going to alter how those fish shut well, up sure i don't know if you fit, got a chance to fish the great lakes a whole lot since the gobies took over because you've been gone for a while and I, I mitch can attest to this but when the gobies showed up it completely changed the way we fish smallmouth up north like completely changed it because it, it quickly became the forage yeah uh, used to look for big schools emerald <laughs> shiners and things like that and they're just not there because they're eating gobies yeah I, I wasn't, yep. I, I, I have no, I don't have a vast experience fishing the Great Lakes outside of salmon fishing. Um, so every time I would fish up north, it'd be on like Gull Lake or Sherman or Crooked or the Kalamazoo River system, Allegan River and stuff. But, you know, yep. and, and I wanted to get to this, you know, being from the north, you hear from a lot of guys that, that get into bass fishing specifically, but we were very much multi-species anglers in the north. It was northern pike and yellow perch and salmon and lake trout. Bass were like, you didn't really care about bass too much. You know, nobody... trash Yeah, they were like trash fish. Um, So rewinding to... uh, (laughs) They were trash fish. What? (laughs) You just hurt a lot of people's feelings. Oh, well, they were. I mean, like... I mean, that's honestly how a lot of them places look at no, them. Like, yeah. up in Traverse, in Traverse, like when they're on beds, they they don't like the bass fishermen up there. They're because Traverse Bay is a big salmon fishery, so mm-hmm. they'll the locals will actually go out and catch the bedding smallmouth and keep them and just kill them basically. Ooh, so that way, they, it tries to keep some of the bass fishermen away. Yeah, like I've watched it before. Like while we're up there bed fishing or fishing a tournament or just up there fun fishing, you'll watch locals roll up catch five fish and they're all four and a half five six pounders and just drop them in the box mm. Ooh, just to eat them or just to yeah. feed them to the bears yeah, just to eat them <laughs> just to eat them mm. it's it's crazy i can't believe it i'm like people ask me all the time like you eat, eat fish they're like what bass and i'm like no i was like it takes too long for them to get big yeah yeah, yeah. especially smallmouth especially smallmouth yeah well pete yeah. pete pete and his dad have some pretty crazy stories about lake erie and the spawn and and certain people going up there and just oh yeah the amish man yeah the, i'll the, straight call them out yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah. <laughs> well since you said it you know the amish they're not listening anyway yeah well <laughs> but you'd be surprised, you'd be surprised actually well if any of you amish are listening quit doing that on prescott bay but yeah no what trade's getting at is like they don't technically have to follow the the same game and fish regulations because they're substance uh people so they you know they're using it to to live so when the when the smallmouth move up on the spawning flats, man, they go up there and fill a trash like a fifty five gallon trash drum full of every smallmouth they can fit in there, 
and and they're all in a little wooden rowboat. There'll be sixty seven of them in that Joker out there, just jacking them off the beds and chucking them in a trash can to take them home. I'm just, you know, I'm laughing because I want to see like a YouTube video of substance people like going out there and filling <laughs> trash bags full. You of... think substance people is like a derogatory term? No, I just okay. never heard it referred. I, I just think it's, I just made it but up. But so. I like it, you know. But uh, you know, going out there and filling, you know, fifty gallon trash bags full of smallmouth is not ideal for no. for us in this room and you and you in that room i think but, anybody anywhere but from I, a conservation standpoint yeah but i i want to talk about uh young mitch uh young mitch grew up in florida yep i grew up in lakeland florida right and how, how old are you to begin with uh, I'm i just turned 28 okay. okay so you're you're yeah you're still uh you're not nearly as old as we are um he's older than me <laughs> no, oh, shut up, Pete. <laughs> so, and and I need to throw this out there. I uh, I just fished a non-sanctioned event uh, down in Kissimmee Chain, uh, specifically on Toho and some of the other lakes. But we stayed in Toho um, because of the bad winds. And I appreciate you. Uh, throwing me um, some advice. It, it, it was unfortunate because the weather was so terrible that we weren't able to get to the location that we talked about. Uh, but had we, I think that uh, we would have probably finished a little bit better than we did. Um, so your advice was uh, well received, and I appreciate that. So, but let's talk about Young Mitch. All right, so Young Mitch. Young Mitch grows up fishing in Florida, then then he moves to to the Grand Rapids area, right? Yep. Yeah, and, and uh, Wayland. Yeah, Wayland. You're fishing the northern stuff. When you did you graduate high school up there? No, I graduated in Florida. Okay, so I literally, I literally left the day after graduation. Did you really? Yeah. And then we graduated May thirty first and June first. I was on the road heading up. Holy moly! That's and then crazy. when you got up to Michigan, um, it wasn't fishing that took you up to Michigan, though, was it? No, um, it was more of like I had been away from my family so long. Uh, my cousin was like my best friend, and uh really that's what it was and i was like i want to just go back i was like i'm tired of living in florida i grew up fishing uh or i grew up playing football and everything i think living down there the two days in the middle of july and august <laughs> really just <laughs> really just killed it for me and i'm like i want to go back i want to like go experience all the stuff like ice fishing and stuff like that yeah. and at first it was just going to be me like i had a scholarship to go play football at adrian college okay. up there and um they really didn't have anything i wanted to major in so i'm like i'm not gonna spend like it was still gonna be like 16 grand a year to go and i'm like i don't i'm not gonna go spend that kind of money for something they don't even have i want to major in just to play football mm -hmm, so i was like i'll get up there figure something out um ended up going back and i uh, had a buddy get me on the fire department and i got my fire one and two up there and then he was like hey do you want a job and the power industry and i'm like sure what do i need he's like just come on <laughs> just come on. <laughs> you just cool. need some rubber gloves and you'll be good right <laughs> yeah yeah really no it's, i started off as an overpaid janitor basically going around clean like uh the trash plant that's in grand rapids covana energy is where i actually started and it was really good experience it's hard work but it was it was really good i moved up in a couple months and it helped me get to where i am today Cus awesome. custodian mitch custodian yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so i it's, it's funny hearing like upper crooked and stuff because i grew grew up my family was uh my mom's family was in lansing 
uh, up in the okay. area. So we, we would yep. go up there and fish. Most of ours was on Little Crooked Lake. Spent a lot of time yep. fishing that. Uh, but we did do some excursions to Upper Crooked and, and uh, Wood. what is it? Woodlawn was another lake we fished up that way. That's more towards like Brighton um, okay. down that way. Uh, just it's just weird to hear crooked because it's been man yeah. a long time. I probably haven't fished Crooked Lake in like twenty years, but <laughs> had a lot of <laughs> fun fishing is, that place, man. That place is so fun, and there's so many lakes around that area that are so good. Like oh, yeah. people don't go fish, like Baseline over in Bloomingdale. Oh yeah, uh, Baseline's really good. Like I can go out there and whack. I don't even know, like twenty pound bag almost all the time. Like mm. it's easy fishing there. See, that's and, uh, that's the issue though. Is it 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 is easy. It's easy to fish. Yeah. Like I think they say, anywhere you stand in the state of Michigan, you're within eighty miles of a fresh body of water, a good fresh body of water. Yeah. And it's like almost every lake or body of water you pull up. To, it's almost like a mini Florida. It, yeah, it's, it's like two every, miles. Yeah. You're never farther than two miles away from a body of water. Is it two miles? Yeah. Dude, okay. In yep. Michigan, yeah. Eighty miles must be like a Great Lake or something. I don't know. Who knows? But yeah, yeah. but anyways, like that is the, the point is is like Michigan is a great place to fish. Um and then so when you were fishing there, have you were you that young kid that watched like the Bassmaster or the one fifties or whatever? Were you that traditional young kid that said that's gonna be yep. me someday? Yeah, so like dude, I'm not kidding. Like we lived on we when I was young, we lived on Upper Crooked. Mm-hmm. So I l- literally had a rod in my hand since I was probably two or three years old. Mm-hmm. It's basically, I remember I have memories of, I know I couldn't have been more than three or four years old of my first bass. Like I was down on the dock. I caught it, actually laid it up on the dock, ran all the way up to the house to my mom. And I got her and her and my dad and they came down and that fish never flopped off the dock. It just laid right there. <laughs> uh, my grandpa did taxidermy. So it was actually in the freezer to get mounted. And then the freezer went bad about, right about the time he started getting time to do it mm-hmm. so but yeah man like i grew up doing that um my grandpa like kevin's first boat before he went pro his old astro um was my grandpa actually bought it from him and um i grew up idolizing kevin like kevin was a big mentor like not really a mentor but someone i looked up to and someone i wanted to be one day and i was like man i was like i really and then I really wanted to be like that and I started getting into fishing and I was like, man, I'm really good at this. Like, this is something I'm really, really good at. And then I don't know, I like playing football. So I really didn't put a whole lot of focus into it. And there was no like high school tournaments and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Really. When I was growing up, when I was that age, um, they really started kicking off here in the last few years. I think the school down the road did it. And we went to one of their meetings and it was, it was a joke. And it's like, I never really, I'd actually never really fished a tournament until I was probably, 18 19 years old is when i really started getting into it wow. so, so with with the with it and, and i i know exactly what you're talking about because everybody at this table talks about it too like when we were growing up we didn't have that we didn't have those high school fishing leagues and and collegiate level fishing wasn't there yeah, and there was no like real that. pipeline to, yeah, to help guide yeah. you and i mean like you're still a long shot right even fishing mm-hmm. high school college you're still uh i was just talking to, to somebody yesterday about it like at best there's 300 spots to be a professional angler at a high level if, yeah. you, if you if you count the mpfl which we do in that you know in that conversation yeah. you have 100 maybe some change on the elites maybe 100 and some change on uh, bass pro tour mlf and then you have and that's it like at that high national cool. level and when they when they we see the numbers of high school and college kids it's like what did they tell Dale and them told us like 35,000 kids in North yeah. Carolina alone fishing high school tournaments. Like, yeah. 
unbelievable. It's crazy. The the tournament world has just exploded. I know there's a lot of talk on the internet. Uh, I say the internet like an old person. I know there's a lot of Dang, talk on the internet. internet. <laughs> uh, but there's a lot of social media folks, and I won't name them, but there's a lot of people coming out saying, like, man, we're having too many tournaments. There's too many tournaments on too many of these lakes and creating too much pressure and stuff. And I remember back in the day when we were younger, that wasn't the case. Like it was, it was, you could find a honey hole and be out there all day and, and never have to worry about it. Well, now you're, you're going to see somebody when you're on the, so lake. like, for example, I'm going to go with St. Clair because he's fished it. I fish it. Have you, you ever fished St. Clair? No. So we started fishing smallmouth fishing and musky fishing Lake St. Clair when I was probably eight years old so that would have been like 93 mm-hmm. and we would be out there and there you wouldn't see another bass boat fishing not a you might see a local every once in a while you'd see kevin out there running around uh, because he was somewhat yeah. local uh, i think we saw jimmy houston there one time he was just in town fishing it but that was it it was mostly people on jet skis and all of that stuff and then social media i'm not saying it ruined it i think it's great that people were taking advantage of the fishery but like as soon as i think it was the 150s were the first one that went there and they were whacking, like he said, 28, 30-pound bags of smallmouth. It was like the next year we went up, and, and you could walk across the bass boats that were up there fishing. Yeah. But, yeah, it, there was nobody yeah. there, man. It was unbelievable. Yeah, Watts Bar and every lake around here, because there's not that many lakes around me. And, dude, I'm not kidding you. There's any Every given weekend, there's probably six or seven tournaments going at least out of just on Watts Bar. And Watts Bar, I mean, isn't the greatest fishery around here. And I, I'm not – like, there's at least – for bass boats out there every weekend every day i think when you it's, look at it's those... just unbelievable how many tournaments there are yeah. and and luckily like michigan's doing a really good job at stepping that up they like you have to register all your tournaments now if there's too many tournaments on that body of water they're telling you no um like st Clair won't even let you fish it until the spawn like yep. this last weekend i fished a tournament and that was the open um which is great for the fishery because it allows them fish to spawn get through what they need to do at least the the main stretch of the spawn like you're still gonna have spawners all year long like the river's 57 degrees right now some fish are just getting right like they're just like spawning and just getting off of it and getting ready to spawn on here on but man it's it, it's great what they're doing up there like i i really like that the fact that they you have to register every tournament and the dnr let, basically tells you yes or no yeah yeah and and trey's right and and so are a lot of these influencers and social media folks that are bringing it up when you look at destination lakes like that, Chick, well, any of the TVA lakes are pretty much a destination lake at this point. St. Clair, uh, St. John's River is going to turn into that the way the or, or St. Lawrence. Yeah. I'm sorry, St. John too. But St. like Lawrence. all of those, yeah. all of those lakes and rivers and systems that are destination, Okeechobee yep. uh, is going to get Cayuga. Cayuga, like it, we need to do something because five hundred a five hundred boat tournament every Saturday or five hundred bass boats fishing a tournament every Saturday. Yep. is going to degrade a fishery to some extent because there's there's inherent fish kill. Uh, and, and people might get upset that are watching this, and that's fine. You can get mad at me. We had Corey on here, who's a NC uh, wildlife biologist, who talked about fish kill with tournaments. And basically, if the water's over 65 degrees, most of those fish are going to die. It might not be that day, but in their studies, within 48 hours, a lot of those fish die. Um, in local tournaments now, bass and NPFL, yes. other places, they have systems in place to to ensure that there's a better survivability with those fish. But when you have 500 yeah. boats in a local tournament or BFL, fish care is not top priority in a lot of those. And uh, 
you know, it, it does beat them up. So I don't, I, what are, I guess what I'm, I'm making my case on what I believe, Mitch, what are your thoughts on, on this kind of trend where people are thinking about, we need to limit tournaments on some of these waters. Yeah. Yeah. I agree a hundred percent. Like you, I, I really do think we need to do better at, uh, making it to where there's basically one bit, like you can have one big tournament cap it at like 250 boats or so, but it's getting overfished and, um, fish care is a big thing to me. And like, like you said, there's a lot, like a lot of these places are getting overfished and they're killing a bunch of fish. Cause not a lot of people care about fish care. Um, St. Clair is one of them weird places, for instance, where if you catch a fish in tw- 10, t- 10 foot of water, you have to fizz it. Yep. And there's a lot of people that don't know how to properly fizz a bass and they'll just stick them in the live well. And if they die, they die. I'm the type that man, if a fish is flipped upside down, I fizz it. I put weights on it. It's not doing good. I'm going to throw it back and I'm going to try and catch a different one. Like I'm not going to kill a four and a four, four and a half, five pound fish just to win a couple thousand dollars. Like it ain't worth it to me. Yeah. Um, I'm going to throw that fish back and, and cause there's so many fish in there. Like if you're on a good area, you'll catch another one. Um, we had a couple this weekend where I had a fizz them. I bled, I literally put them in the live well, uh, fizzed them, got their bladders where they were buoyant again, made sure they were good. And they still wanted to flip up and you have to fin clip them. Um, mm-hmm. but overfishing tournaments is or like, like these lakes is a big problem i think um and we can do as anglers we can do a lot better job at it this is a very interesting discussion i know it's come up a lot on, on social media i'm not sold on it yet mm-hmm. and, and and i remember when Corey was on he talked about the live well but he also talked about i don't know if this made the cut but he went if you go back and look at the data for our lakes in north carolina there's been no change since the 80s when they when they shocked the fish both in quality and numbers, right? And he was specifically talking about Jordan, for instance, when we were talking about that. And I don't remember if that was offline or if that was actually on, on the pod. Um, if we look at some of the, the weights that the, the pro organizations have put together the last couple of years on some of these lakes, they're, they're absolutely phenomenal. And these are destination lakes. We're talking century belts in places. Mm-hmm. Um, look at Okeechobee, what, a month or two ago and the massive bags <laughs> they have there, right? So... I'm not sold on the fact that the fisheries are getting worse from a conservation species perspective, right? And I think we, you'd have to start seeing a trend across a lot of these lakes where the shocking data indicates that. Now, the fishing may become more difficult because there's more pressure, right? More people are trying to catch them. There are studies out there that have indicated that fish learn behavior and they learn what to avoid. It's why when brand new baits come out, right, like the, I'm thinking like the, it's not the Chapo, but the. The topwater bay, Whopper Plopper came out, right? Destroy, you know, absolutely killing fish. Alabama rigged the same way. Chatterbait. Uh, Chatterbait when it first came out, right? And they, they, the fish learn over time. So, again, I'm not sold that the fishery is actually hurt. It just may be getting tougher to fish. I, I, I'm glad we went off on this tangent. I know we want to uh, talk definitely your, your journey, but it's good to get your opinion on it because I think, this is what I think, I think there are, I mean, I know there are more tournaments than there's ever been. Is that part of growing the industry? Yes. As anglers, do we always preach grow the industry? Yes. I think what, I think what a lot of people deep down inside are thinking though is, damn dude, I can never get to my spot anymore. I wish all these boats weren't on the water. Cause I can tell you right now, I know that there's more boats on the water I don't know if they're hurting the fish, but I know it's hard as heck to get to the spots I want to go to now. So I think from the biologic 
bio, or like the biological standpoint, we're probably not hurting the fish. And in fact, you've done videos about research that's shown that throwing fish back is not always a good thing, right? Actually culling out fish to make a fishery he- more healthy. It's the same thing Corey was talking about right, with the slot. Right. You're no longer taking fish. Right. They get pinched and you can no yeah, longer grow. So now yeah. you're coming into a bottleneck approach where you're not growing fish anymore. They're just kind of hitting a, a, a stall state. But I think from the from the angler perspective, I think it's just getting frustrating. You know, like when you're when you yeah. at the NPFL level are going out on Santee Cooper, for instance, and everyone watched you practice through your social media or they're following you around in the water or whatever. And the next thing you know, it you got 40 boats sitting in an area that you wanted to go to. It's pretty frustrating. And then we resort to saying, man, these lakes are just getting too much pressure when it really is, man, these people are finding out where the heck I'm fishing, you know, but you know, everyone has, yeah. everyone has, I mean, I know Texas is a big one right now. I know there's a lot of like false propaganda being pushed on social media, like Alabama, bass council is going to cancel tournaments or whatever Um, but it is something to take into consideration because i mean if conservation and wildlife is looking at the uh you know hey there's a creel limit for a reason like if we can keep legally five 14 inch largemouth every single day of the year in the south and every single day during the season which i know michigan has seasons on bass and stuff then clearly they don't think there's too many boats on the water. Well, the big, but the problem with that is, and I, this is the last thing I'm going to say, and then we'll get back on track. Yeah. Like we, the fish that you're looking at today is data from last year. Corey said it too. It yeah. might take three years for them to process the data when they do sure. this stuff. Three years ago, there weren't 500 boats on Watch Bar every Saturday. Getting pretty close with COVID. So now you're starting... Well, yeah, you're getting close to where now we're really going to start to see the effects of more anglers on bodies of water. Now, Corey also said that catch and release is 100% better. If you catch them right there and release them, the survivability is is almost 100%, things like that. But now I think we're going to start to see over the next couple of years as that data comes in as more people fish tournaments and stuff and don't like Mitch said people don't know on St. Clair like 10, 10 foot if you're going to put a live well you better visit because yeah. deep in that lake is 15 foot and they don't think about that yeah there was, a, there was a big problem out there last year with a few tournaments at the beginning of the year where they were killing hundreds of fish a tournament mm-hmm. I mean fours and five pounders that were just getting constantly killed I mean by the hundreds and the DNR was starting to freak out to the point where I think they were considering almost shutting it down for a little bit, mm-hmm. um, like for tournaments because it was getting so bad. Yeah. Um, I know we talked about it in the club I'm in and the club I'm in in Michigan is an invitation only club. And we talked about not even going there because if, and we made sure that everyone knew how to fish, fish, fish yeah. before we even went out there. Like if, if you guys don't know how to fizz them, get in my boat for a day, let's go catch a couple. I'll break it down show you how to do it. And then we're going to, and then, basically you show me that you know how to do it then we'll let you go type thing you know i wonder and this is the last thing i'll say on this this is a question for the group but i wonder if biologists are taking into consideration how much more advanced and how better anglers are at targeting fish now so this is the point i was going to make and the last thing with this is that it'll be interesting to see because if, if the lakes are truly decreasing over the pressure Right over the last three years since COVID, but you know the industry's been growing for the last ten years of high school and all. There's yeah. just more people yep. tournament fishing over the last ten years. But if LiveScope came out, we were able to target fish that otherwise very few people would go target. 
So it will be interesting over the next three to five years if there is an actual decrease, right? Because now maybe we're just chasing other fish yep. Yep. that weren't chased before. You know, yep. this, this has been a great conversation. The one thing I'm going to back Mitch up, learn how to fizz fish if you don't. That's right. Fish mm -hmm. can eat fizzed in two foot of water as much as they do in, in 45 foot of water. Uh, Mitch offered reach out to him if you're up in that area. He'd more he'd be more than happy to teach you. Uh, Barb Elliott, look her up on Facebook. She's the one that basically teaches all the elite anglers how to properly uh, fizz fish in the north, especially on on our Great Lakes and smallmouth fisheries. She sells a kit that's great that has instructions with pictures drawn exactly where you need to fizz them. Uh, she'll give you her phone number when you order them, and you can call her from the water, and she will walk you through the process. Um, so just just get those resources, and I'll link Barb's Facebook in the description below. Uh, learn how to fizz fish because with more tournaments, we don't really know the impact that's going to be over the last five years for a couple more years. And, and just make sure that as an angler that you do everything you can to, to preserve the resource and, and mm -hmm. keep fish alive. So, you know, we talked about Florida fishing. We talked about, you know, you went up back up to Michigan. You started tournament fishing up there. We're winning money, realized uh, you were pretty good at it. And you, you had a chance to make, a, you know, maybe make a living out of it. It was something you wanted to pursue got the dream deal to go down to the TVA for work, but then also to, to fish some of the, the most difficult and, and what we're what all of us, I think sort of agree are some of the best training grounds in North America. So you got confident that. So how did the yeah. NPFL come, come to fruition for you? Let, let's talk about how you ended up in yeah. that organization. So Basically, like I had been following it since it started, and I have a couple buddies who fish it, uh, Ross Rhodes, Buck Mallory. Um, Adam Savage fished it last year. Me and Adam know each other pretty good just from social media. And Doug, Doug Chapin, I met Doug at the Fish Talk Frenzy last year. Uh, basically, so how it all started is I started doing videos. I started, um, started with TikTok, and I, I was never a big Instagram kind of guy. I was big on TikTok. Uh, started blowing up on TikTok, and I absolutely loved it. I love making videos and all that other stuff. Started reaching out to companies, and I was like, I started getting some deals, and I'm like, all right, cool. Like, maybe this is something we can pursue. And then um, Ross called me, and he's like, hey, man, he goes, he goes, I haven't really tried to get a whole lot of people in. And I started talking to him about, I was like, man, I really want to fish this if I can. Like, if you can get me in, like, I want to fish. So he called Brad. Brad basically called me, and I got a, I got in it. Uh, I filled out my application, was accepted. Um, then I called Sipshine. I know the owner of Sipshine. I actually used to work with him at Cabela's, him and his brother. Uh, and I was like, hey, man, like, this is what I can do for you. Like, I'm doing – and when I first started, I think last – at the beginning of the year, I was at, like, 10,000 followers on Instagram or on TikTok and, like, a couple thousand on TikTok – or uh, Instagram, I'm sorry. And it's the soup started, doing, <laughs> started doing two million views on TikTok, and I was like, "Look, this is what I can do for you. I can plug you in all these places. Like, I'm going to be tra traveling all over the country. I can give you, um, I basically be a moving billboard." And so that's how, like, I, I really started talking to them and got another couple, uh, like Grandmaster Concrete. Uh, he's a buddy of mine, and just started reaching out to local people, trying to pull to get money together, and I ended up getting it together. And I was short a little bit, and I'm like, I'm just work some overtime, pay for it, and yeah, that's basically how we got into it, and it's it's going good or okay so far. Was there? Did you try reaching out to endemic companies before you reached out to non non endemic companies? No, I basically knew there was no money in the fishing industry. Basically, everyone does the whole pro staff deal, 
Um, there's no money in it. Uh, all your all your money is going to come from outside companies that basically that need to get or get rid of some money for the year, basically write off stuff like that. And fishing companies don't like it. The only way you're getting a deal, like a really good paying deal, is if you know someone. Right. Like a yeah. no high up, and that's how it, that's how it all works. Everyone else is just getting uh, pro staff deals. So, do you blame Kevin Van Dam for not? <laughs> <laughs> you no, didn't. man. I mean, his deal was. I mean, he got he's he's got a pretty sweet deal going. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And it, it's uh, that's a lot of foresight for you to to know that going into it, like yeah. understanding yeah. that there isn't the money isn't there unless you are a Kevin Van Dam yep. or uh yep. Gerald Swindle Gerald Swindle or you know one of these big yep. names that that everybody around fishing recognizes when you're first starting yep. out and you're not going to call Berkeley and they're going to go yeah here's five grand <laughs> go fish a tournament and put our yeah, name no. on the jersey yeah, like absolutely uh, not it's you have to have those non-endemic sponsors and they have yep. to be unique and there's a few there's a few folks yourself included obviously that have figured out a way to leverage that and and work towards those non-endemic sponsors to pave your way into fishing and essentially they paid i don't know how much you you left but say 90 percent of your you know entry fees just throwing a number out there you don't have to confirm or deny but like to put the work in to talk to those folks and, and present what you can to them and do that was i think a lot of the the, the folks that want to do this their dream dies when you know, 13 fishing doesn't want to give them a rod deal uh, and provide them with a boat wrap the, the first year they're going into it. So, yeah. It, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, it's just hard. I mean, if you don't have social media anymore, you ain't getting deals in anything. It don't matter if you're it really, if you're, I mean, Kevin's probably Kevin and Wheeler are probably the only one, but even Wheeler's got a huge uh, YouTube following. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, basically every deal is social media based anymore. It's what social media has done to the industry. Which I think is good because it's helped everyone learn, and I'm big on everyone learning. Yep. I think social media, and not that I'm a professional angler, but just knowing social media, it's it's helped out a lot of anglers explore creative options when it comes to finding people that are willing to provide some sort of monetary support for them. Now, now you don't have to go crying to Abu Garcia or whoever. Uh, and, and ask them to support you. Now you can say, hey, listen, I can bring you extreme amount of coverage to a product or to a service that you provide, and I can do it through these means, right? And so that's that's a big deal because TV is dead for the most part. The days of selling a boat or a rod off of just a Jersey logo alone, those are pretty much died. So yep. you got to have a culmination of all the above. Um, yeah. And so knowing that, like Pete said, like you were, you're ahead of the power curve and, uh, but, but and kudos to the companies that, that provided yeah. you that opportunity because they obviously saw the value yeah. and where, you know, where that, where you bring the value in that advertising to them. Cause like you said, one year rolling billboard, you're making social media posts yeah. and you can mention those companies like we fish yeah. after a long, hot day. What's better than yeah. a little glass of ice cold yeah. moonshine? You know, what I'm saying? No, like, man, like, uh, concrete company, like, all that stuff. Like, like it's every awesome. every tournament I'm at, that's what like like I've had a rough year so far. So like two days before we left for Pickwick, we lost our house burnt down. We lost all three of our dogs. Oh and, man, mm, um, sorry to hear that. And everything else, I had to leave two days after that. And I've just tried to keep a positive spirit, but I've been dealing with that at all three events. I've had insurance calling me and stuff like that, and dealing with that stuff. But 
the cool thing is, is like, I'll get up on stage and whether I had a good day or not, I'm going home and I'm drinking a bottle of sip shine. <laughs> like, right. I'm going, I, I may not have caught any fish, but I'm going to go catch a buzz tonight. That's, that's for sure. right. Um, not, not a glass, but, not a glass of sip shine. Oh, no. A no, we drink a whole bottle. I drink probably a <laughs> bottle of this tonight I, I, when, I, when I'm at a tournament sometimes. If it's a rough one, maybe a bottle and a half, but, or if we're doing real good. <laughs> like that. After we caught, 20, after I put Jake on twenty pounds last week, I was like, "We're gonna drink a good bottle tonight." Heard bottle and a half, man. But yeah, I mean, it's it's cool, and social media's done a lot. Like, uh, I own Gorilla Fishing now, um, so basically, we are like a we we're a small company, basically that pushes small companies only, almost like a tackle warehouse, but with small businesses only, and that's all all we deal with. So, I mean, it helps push other companies. So, we, like, we sell. Jake's lure joint, all of his line throughs, all of his tubes, all of mm-hmm. his batons, stuff like that. Uh, the NBT screens. We're not limiting pride rods, uh, fisk, sunglasses. Um, uh, man, there's so much stuff. Mo- all motivated Brazalo and all their jigs and soft plastics yep. and stuff like that. So it, it's really cool that social media has opened this brand up to us to where we can show like all these companies and like a lot of companies a lot of people didn't see before that are really quality to their local area but now you can get on like our site and go on and um get like all these brands in one site not have to go to 10 different websites are are you still working for the power company there yep for right now okay for right now (laughs) we won't talk (laughs) so you're working for the power company you have gorilla fishing you're fishing the national professional fishing league um you're married Right. Yep. And, and I know yep. that because I, I met your, your wonderful wife down at Santee yep. and, uh, I didn't want to bring that up, man. Like that was such, that was probably the most sad story, uh, yeah. that I've heard, um, with the whole house situation and losing your dogs and oh. stuff like that. And, you know, I had to tell yeah. my wife about it because she's an avid animal lover and, and I think she legitimately started crying over the phone. Yeah. Um, but you know, you got all those things on your plate. But was it the MPFL at first, or was it BFLs and and things like that that you started fishing prior to going to these companies and asking for that support? So I started off in West Michigan Bassmasters, which is an invitational-only club. Yep, It's one of the oldest clubs in the state of Michigan, and it's honestly nothing but a group of sticks who guys who probably should be fishing pro but just don't have the money or the drive to go do it, have careers, stuff like that, kids. And I went into it getting told that my best friend got me into it. And he was in it for probably 20 years, man. He was like, you're going to come in the club. You're going to get your teeth kicked in and you're going to, everyone's going to make fun of you, make you want to quit, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) You're going to wake up the next morning and have, have a waypoints and baits on your boat. I mean, he goes, that's the way everyone is. Like they're going to make fun of you. And I'm the type, I'm way too competitive to let that happen. Like I, so I started studying lakes. I started studying maps. And I went up my first tournament of actually being on Traverse. And this was the first time I'd ever been on Traverse. Went up there, took third place of like 18 pounds the first day. And I found something really good at the end of the day. Like we were sitting in six footers, five and a half, six footers, just bobbing <laughs> like bobbers. And I'm sitting there like taking them over the bow. And I'm like, we found something really good. So we left, left it alone to the end of the day or probably about, I think we went back there on the Sunday and, at like 11 o'clock and we had like 14 pounds and between 11 o'clock and um one o'clock we went all the way up to 22 pounds man and it was just an absolute blast like we didn't even fish everything like i called my buddy i was like hey man what do you got and he's like 
13 pounds and i'm like come up here i was like i was like i'm done he's like what do you mean you're done i was like i'm going back to the ramp and sitting there <laughs> like i got 20 <laughs> pounds like, i'm good and but really that was the club that got me into it and i started doing that and started fishing the bfls when i moved down here because i felt like that's what i needed to do that was my best opportunity to learn from non-boaters and boaters and people that i knew and so i started doing that but yeah other than that sponsorships are just from social media so so uh, oh go ahead when you, you know you saw the mpfl followed it you know the first year that it came out as soon as you saw what they were doing did you instantly want to fish it uh was yeah, that something really that drew did. like drew you immediately yeah i did because the cool thing about the league is that we actually go to a lot of these lakes that a lot of the other cl- the the big circuits don't go to so like right patman is cool like that was like i did really bad there but that's a really cool fishery pickwick i mean obviously that's a place we were originally supposed to go to lake amistead down in mm-hmm. del rio mm-hmm. and the elites used to go there yep. um yep. and i was looking at that and i'm like this is gonna be a really cool fishery it's just so far away but i'm really excited for this one and then saginaw like there's never been a pro bass tournament on saginaw before we went there now you got the bbt guys going there this year um no, like you right. follow yeah, yeah. you follow this year um yeah and it's like lanier and georgia like that's our last tournament this year there's not a lot of tournaments out of there and that's something that i think is really cool is they're not beating up the same fisheries that all of the other pro circuits are yeah. like we're going and fishing these other places we may not be picking the best times of year in my opinion to go there right now but we're picking these lakes that are different than everyone else and i think that's fun and and, and i appreciate yeah. going to the lakes at different times of the year yeah because it just shows off the fishery in a different way. It, you know, MOF last year, BPT, they went down to Florida, I, I think it was last year in May or something, right? Mm-hmm. No pro circuit goes down there in May. And yeah. they caught a lot of fish and a lot of big fish, yeah. right? You don't have to go to the same places during the same months of the year. And that's what's great about the MPFL, you know, and then spreading yeah. the schedule out so guys like you can still have a full-time yeah. job. And, yeah. and But being able to go to different places, is, it's phenomenal. It's something different. Lanier is going to be a ton of fun in October. And for anybody yeah. listening, we are going to be there. Uh, we're going to go down. We had, if you listen to last week's episode, which I'm sure you all did, if you didn't, shame on you and go listen now. <laughs> uh, we had we had Brad and Paul on, and they, they invited us down and kind of opened up the door to, to do a podcast with them live to kind of talk through the season. So, Or not live, but in person down there. We'll, we'll still probably edit it or or whatever but so uh yeah we're gonna come down to lanier and we'll, we'll see you mitch you know we'll uh yeah. we'll get some some stuff down there but looking forward to coming down I, I didn't get a chance to come to santee because of them pushing it today and i had some other yeah. uh some other things scheduled already that i couldn't really i mean i probably could have weaseled he my was way sleeping out of them, no <laughs> he was sleeping the whole day i wish no but you know what um i agree with you ben uh and we talked about this before not only does the mpfl s- spread their schedule out to facilitate being able to work for the power company or whatever you do um going to the lakes tests the fishery but also tests the anglers and you know you can look at traditionally speaking majority of the events are spawning events right they are they they are spawning events site fishing events of course electronics are playing a role in all of these events now for the most Mm. part minus the sabine river that we just saw was awesome Call it the Sabine so you can make people mad the like Sabine, I did. but you know, I just I, I like that and and I like that you guys get to just practice or just work your art in a different fashion, you know, like going yeah. and fishing for smallies after the spawn is yeah. very different than fishing for smallies during the spawn. I, 
you know? I'll yeah. let you talk one second, Mitch, but I think it's really cool how you mentioned that going to the different fisheries than what everybody else fishes was one part of the appeal because every single NPFL angler we've had on, Mike Corbishley, Stephanie, uh, Josh, Watkins. Josh Watkins, almost every, uh, not almost, every single one of them has mentioned that as one of the appeals to them to fish with the NPFL is being able to fish the non-destination or the non-traditional tournament lakes. And uh, yeah. so it's cool to hear, you know, that's kind of throughout the league and, and everybody that fishes it. Yeah, man, it's a lot of fun. And all. I mean, it, it it's well, this year has been a lot of grinders. I mean, it, it probably wasn't the best time to, for some of these lakes. But like you said, it puts us to the test mm-hmm. and shows really who's who's really good. And I mean, honestly, I ain't been fishing that good this year. Uh, I'm a lot better than what I've been doing. But it's my first year and I'm just giving myself a learning year, basically. Sure. Um, I'm out of break. Like I'm I'm like up north. I'm good at breaking down lakes and stuff like that. But going to all these different lakes with hundreds of thousands of acres and stuff like that. Like it's, it's different. Um, but I'm just, I feel like I'm starting to get the hang of it now. You know, I, I think too many people sitting at the local level judge a lot of anglers. Like, you know, we got a lot, you have it up, you have it at Michigan, you have it everywhere you go in Tennessee, all that stuff. You have those guys and gals that do really good on one lake yep, or maybe yep. three lakes and they just crush the competition. Um, but go ahead and go all in like you did from moving from Florida to Michigan, Michigan to Tennessee and diversifying your portfolio and being, you may not be great at everything, but you might be good at everything. And so when you take a local yeah. level angler that can win, look, we saw it on the, the, on the EQs, right? When they came to Bugs Island, the guy that won absolutely knows Bugs Island. Yep. Like he know he's yep. he he knows where the fish live. He knows where the big fish live. He knows exactly how to catch them, and he did a really good job. And he whooped the competition, but he yep. very well may struggle if you take him to right pat. Oh, he's good. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Like or wherever they go. And so you know when we talk about defining a professional angler, we all have our own versions of it. But somebody that can fish anywhere and do relative, and, and you don't even have to do that well. You know that's yeah. why. That's why for me, like. Winning a classic is great, but like, yeah. So you got lucky. No, maybe not lucky, but you won one tour. When when yeah. guys like for me, anger that your trophies are so much more impressive. Oh, yeah. Not that raising a shield in the NPFL what is is an, an accomplishment. Not right. that raising a, a blue trophy in the elites isn't an accomplishment. Not that raising that big ugly red trophy in MLFBPT isn't an accomplishment. <laughs> but to be able to be consistent at that high of a level through an entire season and win an angler of the year to me speaks volumes to how good of an angler you truly are, because that means you probably didn't fish less than finish less than 30. If that could probably, I'd have to go back and look at some things. Brand, I know some other people like Brandon got lucky last year on one, had a really bad tournament, but he was so good on the other ones. You know, he was able to come back from that, but like guys, like you look at Gerald Swindle, never won a, an elite series event, right? Two angler of the years. We talked about Clark Wendland last week. Never won, never, won. never won an Elite Series event as an Angler of the Year. It is tough to go out and win an individual trophy, but I think it's even tougher to go out and win oh, win sure. that Angler yeah. of the Year shield. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I, I would honestly say that, in my opinion, Angler of the Year should pay a lot more than what <laughs> winning a tournament or a classic does because it's it's so hard to be consistent on every late. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, how do you? We'll talk about your season in just a second. I know you said you, we know you said you didn't have you haven't had a good season, but let's talk about balancing all that, right? So you got your sponsors 
Sip Shine, Next Best Thing yeah. or Next Big Thing, MBT yeah. Marine. MBT. You got yeah. all those other ones, Gorilla Fishing. You got your wife. Power. Yeah. You got my your... wife is probably my wife is the one that does all my photography. So oh, really? she's a big part of it. Like I couldn't do probably any of this. Like I could do some of it, but like all my photography and stuff is is hundred percent her. Like she travels with me to every event. She goes out on the boat with me. Um, on a lot of these, whether it's just for an hour or two or whatever, um, and she does a lot of pictures to make sure to have enough. So that way I have enough to last me through the league. And now she's doing them for me, Doug, Adam, uh, John Palacini, um, and a couple other guys in the league too. Uh, hopefully she's getting paid for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah she is. If you do something <laughs> well, doesn't... you don't do it for free. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No. So th that's awesome, man. So, I mean, at least the family, the family life gets to travel with you. Yeah. Um, you know, working the, the, the TVA stuff though, uh, how do you find time for that? So basically I work contract, so I, I'm not hired annually. And that was a, it was a big thing that like when my contract came across, they offered me an annual job. And I was like, I can go fish professionally or I can have a stable, like guaranteed job for basically as long as I want. And I sat down with my wife and I told her, I was like, this is something that I'm never going to get another opportunity like this to do. So like there's other places I can have a job tomorrow if I need to mm -hmm. in this industry. Um, and she was really supportive and told me that if this is what you want to do and you feel like you can do it, let's do it. And so awesome. I decided to turn down the full time job, stay contract. And so basically the way it works is I just, I, like I sent out my, all the days off I needed in November and, uh, um, I just, they approve my, my time off and stuff like that. So working contract, I just tell them when I need off and I'm off. Luckily it's almost like owning your own business type thing. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really cool. And they've been really, really great to work with, with my, my schedule and everything. Like I take a lot of time off, obviously. Um, I haven't been working a bunch of overtime this year. Like last year, I think I worked 1300 hours of overtime. Hmm. Um, and this year I've, I've really cut back on it because I need to be on the water and as bad as I'm fishing, um, I need to be on the water as much as I can. Yeah. And I put myself on the waters is, is going to get me out of this slump in this last couple of weeks. I feel like I've got finally gotten out of it. So let's, uh, let's talk about the slump you're in. Um, you know, you need it. Yeah. Was, was, was in. You said he's out of it. Yeah. I got you. Got you. So, Come on. Trey. So that time on the water, you know, not working as much overtime as, as you traditionally do getting more time on the water. Um, let's, let's talk about your season real quick. So from, from start to till now. Yeah. So the start of the season was horrible. <laughs> I mean, you guys heard me earlier, the house, we got keys 24, 24 hours, and the house burnt down lost all three of our dogs i had to leave two days after that drive to pickwood i actually drove back to my camper here in tennessee picked up my boat and then drove to uh pickwick we got down to pickwick and my goal there like i felt really good going into it um i went down there to pre-practice and i had a couple stretches where i caught 15 pounds in a matter of 20 minutes and i was like all right this is gonna be really good like this is gonna fish perfect like I was looking at the weights from the weekend before and TVA accidentally dropped 10 foot out of it the day before we got there. Mm. Uh, they let, apparently there's a turnover miss and someone left the floodgates open, dropped 10 foot out of it. Mm. So I knew there was good fish up on the other end. And, uh, after everything that happened there with the fire and everything, I couldn't sit down in the big, uh, the big, cluster of everyone down at the horseshoe i knew that's where it was going to win but i just couldn't 
bring myself to sit down there. So I made decided that I was going to make the run every day, clear my head first thing in the morning, run all the way down to the other end of the lake. And the first day it paid off really good. I came in with three fish, nine pounds, and I was sitting in like 20th place. Um, I was feeling all right. Like for what I had, I was feeling all right. Second day I went out, made the run, caught one right off the bat, caught another one. And the second one was short and then started, got on a bluff wall, missed. I had one come off that was really big. I mean, I, it was a big small one. It was probably five, six pound. I seen it at the boat. They were just eating that crankbait. We were there getting it just on that back hook mm. and, uh, put it i missed that one and then the second day the third day was the same thing i caught one short fish and one big fish and ended up in middle of the, like mid 50s um patman i found a mega school <laughs> i was offshore and i i found a mega school like i i was sitting there and i was like if i can get these fish to bite i'm gonna win like i only needed five bites like on live scope i could sit there and watch them eat schools of crappie bait and the small fish were four and a half pounds mm. and I'm not like, I'm not kidding. Like I sat on this school for 10 and a half hours and I couldn't get one to bite. Mm. I sat on them from morning to midday, then the second day of practice. And then from midday to after like almost dark, this third day of practice, just trying to figure out if I could figure something out. I had 35 rods on my deck at one point. <laughs> um, and, and it was absolutely unbelievable, but I knew if I could get these fish to bite that I would, I would win. Like, I would have a 30 pound bag without a problem with five fish. And there was, there was so many fish. Like it was an old Kentucky Lake school is what it looked like. Mm -hmm. Like 30, like, I'm not kidding you. Like there was 500 fish. Like Will came out with me. Cause it was the cool thing with the league is we're allowed sponsors and um, like sponsors and immediate family are allowed to go with you on your boat for all the practice and tournaments. So That's awesome. me and Will own a gorilla um, grill. Will came out with me in the boat just to, just to have fun, hang out and, see how it was like and he was like dude what in the hell did you find and i'm like dude it's <laughs> like if we if i can get this school to fire up it's gonna be crazy but i got in there got flipping and i just couldn't keep them hooked like i don't know like it's been a while since i flipped so it was literally one of them bites where as soon as it hits the water if you're not setting the hook then they're gone like you're not getting them so i missed a couple i missed really i missed probably 25 pounds the first day like I had an eight pounder come off at the boat mm. and it was just like, I was just, I was just frustrated. And then, um, I ended up, I, I've had really bad one there finished towards the bottom of the pack. And then, uh, Santee was, was different. I had a lot of boat issues. I had, I had battery issues. It really wasn't boat issues. It was just batteries. Like I had batteries go bad halfway through the day, um, of the first day, but I found something really good in there. Like I was fishing the, the channel going in between, Marion and Moultrie and I found flipping them laydowns with a drop shot I was getting bit a bunch I set the hook on one fish and it was probably it was right at 14 inches I was like all right as tough as this tournament's being like if I can go in here and catch a limit every day of these 14 inches like there's a really good chance I'm going to cash a check just off of these fish and um I ended up going in there first day of the tournament I caught 25 to 30 fish between seven o'clock and 11 30 and all of them were 12 and 13 <laughs> no. and i was like i was like man this is just my luck so i ended up going out went and fished the grass ended up uh fishing the outer edges of the grass with the frog missed a couple and then uh uh started throwing a wacky rig the next day got a five pounder um had another four come off on a frog 
and then caught another just like 16 incher had a decent like couple pounds moved me up in points and the same thing the the third day the third day i found what i really should have been doing the whole time i was panning around out by one of the islands in potato and seeing some out there schooling like seeing them sitting on bottom so i started i grabbed a jerk bait and i just whipped it out there just just seeing if i could get them to react to it man and four of them shot up and they were big ones and one of them finally committed and freaking just missed it and i sat there for and they shot right back down the bottom and i sat there for 45 minutes trying to catch them again and i was like just trying to get them to fire back up and i'm like man if i had more time to really figure this out like this is something that I really, I really could have done really good at, but it's one of the things where you just fin- figured out too late. And so I went back throwing the wacky rig around the grass and luckily caught two more fish, moved me up, uh, I think mid sixties. So, I mean, I wasn't, I was upset with how bad it was, but I was happy with how I finished, like finished strong. I didn't have a fish at two o'clock and I was due back in at three and between two and three, I got two fish. So, yeah, yeah. Y- you're, what what do you do mentally after so you got three not so great events what have you done between santee and now besides getting on the water like how are you processing that to to re-energize and get get to saginaw bay and and start crushing some skulls man i'm i'm really good i'm really forgetful like i I don't (laughs) that's good that's great for this sport like i don't i don't keep like i don't stay in my head like i'll get in my head like a little bit like in during a day or something but after that night i reset mentally like i'm really good at just letting the past go like that was yesterday's thing let's go do today let's go figure it out today we may not have done good yesterday but we're gonna go do good today yeah um so i went on the water here in watts bar i was fishing the saint jude's tournament and i actually went out and caught like 20 pounds of practice and i'm at watts bar and i'm like oh this is fun like we're getting out of this thing <laughs> and then and then i go up north and i like i knew going up there like i was just gonna go have a smash fest get out of my thing and i went up there and caught 20 pounds the first day we sat in four footers the second day caught 16 pounds and then went out on saint Clair, caught a bunch of largemouth like the winds were so bad we fished stayed in the river mm-hmm. uh last friday and the currents were so strong you couldn't fish any of the current the lake was so bad you couldn't fish the lake so we got in the creek or in the just in the the boat slips and stuff like that and started fishing for largemouth and caught a really good bag of the largemouth and we're like you know let's just go have fun and fish st Clair blind and caught 17 pounds and i was like all right like we're finally getting out of this thing and really saginaw is the one i've been looking forward to all year it's home it's home. You can go there and you can catch 15 to 18 pounds of largemouth throwing a freaking hot dog out there. I mean, them <laughs> fish are so stupid. But, but it's going to be, it's always one on smallmouth. And I really feel like that. I, it's something that I've been looking forward to all year is just getting up there. And I know, like, if I can get up there and I find two or three schools, like, it's, it's going to be game over. Like, I know there's going to be one day where we can't get out there to them probably. And they're going to lock us in or it's just going to be too rough and you have to go largemouth fishing. But man, them two other two days, I, I I really think that people better watch out because it's going to be an absolute smash fest if if it stays calm. There's going to be a lot of people out there chasing them, and yeah. Uh, but there's also going to be a lot of people that won't because they're scared of the Great Lakes. I mean, it, it still scares me a little bit sometimes, but it's a scary place if you've never been out there before. Sure, you're not going to go cut like Gary Atkins' brake trail, the the brakes and stuff <laughs> on his trailer, right? No, <laughs> no, I know. No, I'll go ahead. No, man, it. I'll probably be running farther than he did. Like I mapped it out and I think I'm running 
at first to start off from the ramp, if I get them on one spot, it's going to be 45 to 50 miles one way. Wow. Those are some runs, man. Yeah. If not a little bit farther. Yeah. Yeah, so, I'm not scared. Like, I love making long runs. Well, hopefully the uh, the rest of your tournament season, you know, like, I guess that is the best medicine is just to forget. You know what I mean? I wish I could do that. Um, but, you know, one of the things uh, that I wanted to ask you, though, you know, when you have bad tournaments, and I think this is anglers, there's no cookie cutter, um, you know, sponsor deal. Uh, and and I wanted to talk about your sponsor, specific, specifically MBT here. But um, some anglers have some weight over their shoulders as it pertains to how they finish in an event, right? Like when it comes to their sponsors, do certain sponsors require you to have good finishes or would like to see better finishes than, than none? No, no, not really. So like Sip Shine, I mean, they're, they're the, probably the only one that's tournament based. Like that really, like they, I mean, but they're also, they're not big. On, they know that this is my first year. Yeah. And so they're not really, they, they, they know, but I think it's more of a social media deal. It's kind of like a mix, but everything else is a hundred percent social media besides NBT um like me and mitch know like i started talking to mitch when he was doing the owner uh when he was doing uh prototypes like last year and he came to me this year and he was like hey man like these are getting ready to release um and i was like hey man like this is what i can do for you i'm fishing the npfl this year and he really likes the tournament anglers more than the social media guys so we we really got to talking and and on that's where I guess him, he, it's not really like, it doesn't really depend on doing good, but it also like, it looks better. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah I think but, you're seeing a lot, a lot of those, those tournament success deals going away because mm-hmm. yeah. the power of social media has made it not yeah. as important. It used to be, yeah. and let's just be honest, the reason KVD got as big as he did was because he was winning everything. Sure. And back yeah. then it was the cover of BASS. It was in the local newspaper. It was, on ESPN, you know, they were interviewing him doing, I mean, they had him on, he was on one of the ESPN commercials back in the day when they used to have people, mm-hmm. you know, act like they were in the office and things like that. So back then that angle, the success in tournament angling is what got your sponsors to the forefront. Mm-hmm. Uh, even yep. back, you look at like Rick Clun when he was, mm-hmm. when he was really hot and got in with, but with Bass Pro early and Johnny and all them. Now you don't necessarily have to go out there it helps. Like he said, it absolutely helps if you're not winning, winning a bunch of tournaments yep. you can say, I use this to win. But if you can leverage followers on social media here, just following yep. you for the products that you're, you're, you're pushing and not necessarily tournament success. Yeah. They're yep. not going to be as concerned about, about your tournament. Not, I imagine yeah, no, like no. for sip shine, a big p- part of theirs, I'm sure is just the mileage. Like you, like you said, yeah. you're a big billboard yeah, dude, like- for them. Yeah, I do. I'm doing, I'm probably between driving back and forth to Michigan as much as I do and driving down to Louisiana all the time to power implements. Um, and dude, I bet you I'm probably doing close to 40 to 50,000 miles this year. Wow. And that's one thing I can, I can sell to them is like, Hey, I may not have done good, but look at all this publicity. So like, uh, Kyle, my, my buddy who owns it, he was like, man, he's like, I'm getting calls from people down there asking if I move down because there's a big giant sip shine truck driving all over <laughs> and all like driving downtown, like driving through Gatlinburg. Like I'll, I don't care. Like I'll drive that truck anywhere. Like I'll put it right in the middle of right in front of old smoky Sugarlands, all of them. <laughs> and, and we actually got a video of a rolling shot. Me going past the old smoke or uh Sugarlands in the truck this year when they, they came down drinking and was like, Kyle was talking about how it all got started and stuff like that. And, um, 
we did we did a rolling shot of it going across Sugarlands. That was pretty cool. That is. Yeah. So, so but the 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 one sponsor uh, that that I wanted to dive in before before we yeah. jump off the show is NBT Marine. Yeah. So talk that everyone wants to know. Yeah. So everyone Dude. sees Mitch Elsie's boat on the MPFL tour with this 500 inch screen on the front of his boat and South 500 is 21 inches if I'm not mistaken. 21 inches. Yeah. Yep. So you got the battleship up there, right? Yep. So it's a really cool thing. So it's the only big screen on the market that's 100% heat proof. So like all our garments, 21s, 24s, you can't put in direct sunlight or they'll melt the motherboard. Mitch found a way to make it to where it won't melt. Everything stays good. Um, and he also worked a program into it to where I can go in and eliminate color palettes. So like I can turn my gains way up on my Garmin, put all that fuzz in the screen, and then I can go in and eliminate color palettes and literally wipe all that fuzz out, make all my blobs look better. I was looking at fish on Pickwick at 120 foot, mm. like like legitimately popping up at 120, 130 wow. foot. Like, like it's unbelievable. Um, and it's cool because it actually works with all three brands now. So there's, there's a way we can link with, uh, like right now I have mine set up to where it links to my 8612 or you can buy the Garmin 8700 series networking. It's basically like a networking box and plug right into that and it operates as its own Garmin unit. Um, or you can buy the Simrad box and plug into that and you can, I think you can run six screens off of that one where they act as individual units. Um, or you can plug right into an Apex unit. The only problem with Home and Birdies is that you can't use a touch screen yet. You have to use the remote. Okay. But um but yeah so like my i'm going to pick up my new boat here in a couple weeks and i'm actually double stacking a 21 i'm double stacking a 16 over my 21 <laughs> on the new boat um i'm gonna i, I run for like you I, you guys have seen probably seen my tiktoks and stuff like that where it's uh i run perspective and then I, perspective or forward on the main section of the screen and then in the corner i have the other one and below that i keep my mapping mm. and, or so I'm on the new one. I'm going to run probably all mapping on the 16 inch. And then I'm splitting the screen with perspective and forward because there's no need for 360 when you have, um, when you have perspective, like I'll, I'll run perspective over 360 any day. So you can see the fish swimming. The only reason why I put the second, uh, live scope unit on there was to see where they're sitting at in the water column. Is this, does this deal soak up a ton of juice or no? Yeah, dude. Like, I can't post a if I do a post on on uh, NBT screens, it's it's minimum of like ten thousand views. No, I like mean, I've done. Oh, what I'm saying is ahead. like, how much battery power is this using? Is it using oh, a lot? So it uses the same amount of power as a twelve inch unit. Okay. Oh wow. Wow. That's not no, bad. No, you're not using. I'm actually so by going from a triple stack down to the single unit, I'm using less battery than than most other anglers on the water. So like, my batteries last three and four days at a time. That makes sense. And where, where can people go to find these? You can get them on gorillafishing.com. We sell them. If you use LC10, my last name, 10, you get 10% off the screen. You can call Power Implements uh, or just call me. I'm actually getting ready to be a sales rep for them. So uh, get a hold of me on any of my social media platforms and I'll get you a screen. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I see so that NBT. Go ahead. No, that's, I wasn't going to say anything. Yeah, so MBT has uh, one of the guys on the Elite Series running them. Uh, they got you on the MPFL running them. Do they have anyone else running uh, their units? 
Yeah, so there's me, Jacob Fouts, uh, the crappie cowboy and the crop pro crappie circuit. Um, and then I forget who's running them in the uh, in the MLF. I forget. He doesn't. I think it's just the guy in the Invitationals who's running it. But okay. I know he's talked to a few other pro anglers for next year. Okay, cool. Possibly that are going to be working out. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a so, it's a it's a pretty um, it's a pretty awesome thing he's got going. No, I appreciate Mitch sending us all yeah. those 21 inch yeah, battleships. Yeah, I appreciate those 21 inch <laughs> battleships to test on our boat. <laughs> yeah. yeah, dude, I mean, it, it's crazy though because you literally can. Like, it, it's it's going to be one of the things that I think takes over the market. Like, it's because it's so universal. Like, you can literally just basically a plug and play unit almost with some of these brands, um, especially in the offshore industry with, with the Garmin units. Like, you're being able to eliminate mm-hmm. having. Uh, you can put just one big 21 inch screen. You can put it in direct sunlight versus everything else. You can't, sure. um, and you don't need, and you can literally like the 21 inch for Garmin or the 24 is like $15,000. And I think the networking box and the unit together is like 7,000, bucks. Mm-hmm. And I think it's 4,000 for the networking box and then, uh, 3,500 bucks for the screen. So literally you're into it for half the price. You can double your screens for the same amount of price yeah that's what you normally would yeah i was looking today and and, uh i was a little confused because trey said they were working with all three the website hasn't been updated so it does show that it just works with garmin units so i'm glad to hear that it does work with all three and uh yeah i I, i'm one of those like electronics dudes so i switch stuff around all the time just because that's how i am so i'm running an active target two this year and oh yeah i'm excited about Having uh, having the option to maybe try out one of those, I might have to uh, might have to check that out. Yeah, like well, twenty. Yeah, so that there. was the thing was when we found out that uh, it will work with Lawrence. Mitch almost wanted me to run the Lawrence setup for next year, and then he got into playing with it, and he's like, "Man, he goes, I know you're not going to be happy with it because you like your target separation." He's like, "I can see that sometimes, like some of the things that Garmin has is better. Some of the things that." active target has better but he goes if you're comfortable with garmi it's like i'll let you keep running it like that's fine i'm like that's fine man i was like you just tell me what you want me to run like i'll run whatever yeah like you just rig my boat however you want it and it's done (laughs) well he can rig my boat however he wants it and if you guys ever if you guys want to go out and play with it too just let me know like i'll make a trip down there like i'm probably going to come down and i'll go see justin with fat belly tackle here pretty soon um, that's right in South Carolina or down by Charleston. Yep. Um, so I'm probably going to go down that way. If you guys want to jump in the boat one day, go do some fishing. I mean, I'll be more than happy to take you guys out. Absolutely, dude. Yeah, that'd be cool. For those listening. What, our, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say it was the really, the really cool thing was like, I really got to play with it on St. Clair for like the first time, like in real thick grass and stuff. And with that big screen, it was cool because I could spread it out to where like I was looking at like 40 foot. And normally, like, on a 12-inch screen, you can't see them fish really swimming in and out of the grass on forward. Mm-hmm. And with that big screen, I could separate it out to, like, 35, 40 foot. And I actually vertical jigged a couple of them fish that I caught doing it, like, watching them swim in the grass and coming out. And I was like, this is, like, this is wow. a game changer. But it, it was, I was, it actually shocked me. Like, I called my, like, I was having my partner come up and watch. I was like, dude, watch this. Boom, drop down and catch it. And I was like, that's a big one. And I was like, drop your, I was like, drop yours down. There's another one right there. And he was like, boom. And dude, it was fun. Like it was God, like, wow. I had like, like just watching it, like seeing how much fish you actually miss on like a 12 inch screen compared to this big 21. Like it's unbelievable. Yeah. You can't stand on it though. Right. 
Yeah, you can. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it's no, called it's, Battleship. Don't, don't, don't do that, but yeah. Well, um, there may or may not a be a picture of somebody screen. standing on one. It's got a thicker screen on it than a normal Garmin unit and or a normal unit. So Mitch uh, was bouncing one-ounce jigs off of it, found a way to make the glass replaceable. The units have a two-year warranty on them. Um, basically, if you break something, you just send it back to him and he'll fix it. Okay, that's good. Are these uh, so, are these in any retailers or anything like that, or is it all online order yeah, right now? Yeah, so there's a couple. So Jones Marine uh, and Texarkana Power Implements. Uh, that's where I'm going to be based out of um, down in Iowa, Louisiana. Um, I'm working on DNR Sports Center and Leaders. Mm-hmm. My dad works for <laughs> Leaders Marine, uh, so I'm working on those two right now. Um, and then there's going to be a few other. Uh, there's one in North Carolina that we're working on. A guy in the league actually owns a marina over in North Carolina. Um, and then I'm actually in the process of talking to Calabogi Skiff Company, too, about making them an OEM option on their boat. Oh, nice. So, so it, it definitely sounds a, like... There's a lot of cool things. It sounds like the next big thing. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, so <laughs> that's a funny story behind that name. So I don't know if you talked to my wife at all when you were at South at Santee. Um, it was actually supposed to stand for Northwestern or Northeastern something something. And <laughs> I was always wondering. I was like, I, and I went to ask him. I was like, "What does NBT stand for?" Is it like like my wife says? <laughs> keeps saying the next big thing, and he's like, Mitch's face lit up. He's like, "Dude," he goes, "That's." I didn't even think of that, but that's what we're going to start calling it. He goes, your wife's going to get all the credit for that. And he's like, he's like, I never even thought of that. Yeah. She <laughs> so, needs... yeah, so now we call it the next big thing. So now she gets all those royalties. I like it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not royalties. I wish. But, uh, <laughs> so yeah. we're getting ready to release. Uh, we just finished up the last prototype, fixed a bunch of stuff, all the stuff that I broke on it. Um, I was the guy that basically would go and break everything because yeah. – running that big water and stuff um i'm really putting them to the test and i think i um I, it was just a couple little things like the it was nothing major but we uh found like the brackets need to be changed a little bit and mm-hmm. just a couple little things and now the new one i put it on my boat and i ran and four footers on st Clair and traverse last weekend and dude it was it was solid like i i beat i tried to break it and i couldn't break it well, that's what this whole deal is about is, you know, putting that stuff on the market for the anglers before it comes yep. out to the consumers and making sure that they yep. break everything that needs to be broken on it so they can take it <laughs> yeah. back to the drawing table. So, um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. before we, before we jump off the show, Mitch, uh, we want to give you an opportunity to plug like all your socials, um, and all your sponsors and those who are able to, uh, support you to make your, to make your dream happen. So, um, before we do that, Ben, Pete, do you guys got anything for Mitch? No, no. Yeah. 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 Let us, or let everyone know where they can find you. And, uh, let's talk about who's supporting you through this journey. So all of my social medias are all Mitch Elsie fishing. Uh, it's, uh, on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube are all the same. Um, and all my sponsors, man, it's, I really work with a lot of companies. So sip shine is my title sponsor there. They make uh moonshine and then it's coyote whiskey and Gannett peak whiskey. Um, who are the other two affiliated pro or companies with them? Um, they own those two. So um, I also want to thank Fisk, Sunglasses, uh, Power Implements. Power Implements is my boat dealer and all my electronics other than NBT. Or I guess NBT now, too. Now they sell them there. Um, NBT Marine. Um, yeah. Uh, 
Grandmaster Concrete, Gorilla Fishing. If you guys are looking for all your mom and pop shop tackle, go to GorillaFishing.com. It's G-U-E-R-I-L-L-A Fishing. Uh, use LC10, save 10% off. Um, we have all, basically every product I'm sponsored by is on the site. So if you use that discount code, you'll get all them products at cheaper. Uh, Pride Rods, uh, Six Gill Reels. Um, yeah, so I think that's about it. I uh, so. I hope I have that many people to thank in the future. Uh, Mitch Elsie, we appreciate you jumping on the show. Ben, Pete, anything for Mitch? No, man, I appreciate you taking some time uh, to come talk to us and and uh, let us know you know your journey to where you are today. And uh, we look forward to uh, to seeing you down there at uh, Lanier and uh, seeing how the the rest of your season goes. Hopefully, uh, you. like you said, that. Uh, you know, you got out of that little bit of a funk that, that anybody that fishes tournaments gets in from time to time. Yep. I'm I'm in one this year terribly, so I totally feel yep. you. Um, but yeah, man, I just appreciate you coming on. Anybody, everybody, listen to make sure you go check out Mitch Elsie Fishing. His name's in the video. Uh, if it's not, I'll have links to all. If you're not watching the video, if you're getting us on on Apple, Spotify, whatever it is, I'll have all his socials linked down below in the description. Make sure you click on those, give him a follow, uh, let him know uh, you you found us here, and uh, that yeah, that's really all I have. Thanks uh, for coming on. I think you guys. Yeah, I just want to thank you. Oh, I was going to say you guys cover it all, and I appreciate you coming on, Mitch. And I'll turn the floor back over to you. Yeah, I'll just say thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. And uh, it's really cool opportunity. It's the first podcast I've done. So um, it was awesome to be on here with you guys. It was great to uh, hear your journey. We're uh, looking forward to the next big thing being Saginaw Bay. Good luck there. And uh, we'll see you. Uh, we'll see the results. And uh, hopefully you hoist one of those big shields up, man. Appreciate you, yeah, that's Mitch. What I'm hoping for. Thank you. All right, bud. That's a good one. That's a good one. Oh, God, it's a toad, son. It's a f***ing toad, dude. Let's go. I wake up to a little bit of drool on my pillow. Feel like it's going to be a bad day.